Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Shea Station podcast. We got another PPP for you guys today. And as you can tell, we're no longer in Arizona. We're back to the Zoom boxes. Jerry, I miss you already, man. It's weird not being in person after, you know, being live and then be able, able to chat back and forth and feel you know, side by side on the couch. This is we're we're pros. We can do this. Exactly. But it I definitely miss your presence. I agree, man. It's nice having <laughs> someone else on the couch to bounce stuff off of. Also, not like playing the Zoom game where you have to like wait for their sentence to end and like jump in. But like you said, we're pros. We can handle we it. We can handle this. It's it's bullpen time. Oh, yeah. This is middle relief territory here. We're about to tackle middle relief which is you know this is my bread and butter here that's jerry's specialty it's uh, right in his wheelhouse and we got another two for episode for you guys today it's trevor may and seth lugo there's a lot to say about both of these guys but i kind of i see them a little similarly in some ways there's definitely a lot that uh, differs them both but i'm wondering who you want to start with uh i want to start with seth lugo i think i think he provides the most question marks like for me trevor may is the seventh eighth inning guy Mm. He is your traditional, I'm going to give you this inning. I'm going to throw really hard and I'm going to maybe scream and intimidate a little bit. Whereas Lugo has a little bit of nuance in his game. He's a little more right. kind of a wild card. So I, I'd like to cover him first. Absolutely. So, I mean, Seth Lugo, he kind of had a tumultuous year last year, a lot of ups and downs. When you think of streaky bullpen pitchers, Seth Lugo was never really a guy that came to mind for me before 2021, just because of his roller coaster year. Uh, in 2021, he had a solid year, though. 46 innings pitched, a 3.50 ERA, 1.29 whip, and that abs- absurd 10.7K per nine. Lugo was doing Lugo things, and he's coming off that year where they kind of had him in the rotation, and then back in the bullpen, they were really messing with him. And I think he finally found some solid footing uh, in 2021. He, he also had the injury to start the year. I remember, like, we came in, we had to do this, like, intro COVID testing last year for spring training. And he was scheduled for surgery the next day. So I was chatting with him and he was like taking his test and then going and, and heading out. So he's fully healthy. Plus, I think this year, the bullpen itself is a lot more deep, mm. a lot deeper than it was in the last two years for him. And so I think his, his ask is going to be a little bit less, which, which is good. So I think he's going to have uh, a chance to be a little bit more comfortable in his position. Right. I definitely agree. And I think that one thing that Mets fans can really admire about Lugo is he had remarkable consistency, regardless of who he was facing. He had the exact same batting average against and home runs allowed when he was facing both lefties and righties at 231 and three home runs. So Lugo's not a guy that needs to be situational. He's kind of a guy you can call on in pretty much any situation. At the same time, though, there was a lot of ups and downs for him, like I mentioned before. His first 15 games after that injury that you mentioned, 15 innings pitch, 2.4 ERA. He was solid in that setup role behind Edwin Diaz. And then everything just kind of blew up once we got to Pittsburgh, which you can say for a lot of guys like Taiwan Walker as well. That was just sort of a, a nightmare trip that the Mets couldn't escape. He rounded things out towards the end of the year. Lugo gave up a, a pretty big home run in the game prior, which led to the Jacob Stallings Grand Slam. I, I feel bad right. we're rehashing all this. We're just attacking Mets fans. Yeah, right yeah, now. no, that's I just <laughs> I wanted to kind of that was like a pivotal point in, in the season. Yeah. Plus the weird Taiwan Walker play that like is forgotten about. But the where he flipped a foul, I, that was like a big moment in the whole season. Yeah, I agree. I'd call it a turning point in the season for sure. Right before that West Coast trip. 
But back to Lugo, you talked about he had kind of a, a tumultuous, great start. And I think there was a little bit of they eased him in at those 15 innings and because they knew he was coming off injury. And he'd had the like the cookie Carrasco thing where they just needed him. And so they pushed him to go farther than he should have been pushed. Um, and so I think that dealt with uh, that that kind of made his season a little more tumultuous than it than it would have been. He still had a great year, yeah. but not up to the standard that we expect from Seth Lugo, the dominance that we saw. Um, the biggest thing. So I looked at, at your our breakdown that you sent me, the outline, and then I was looking at the projections. There's there's a there's a big split of home road split. And it was last year was huge. So last year, his home ERA was 4.43. Is that correct? And 4.43 was the ERA on the road, 2.77 at home. 2.77 at home and a 4.43 on the road. Then you look at his career. He has a 2.01 at home and a 4.83 on the road. And so I've been looking at these home road splits Mm. and thinking about when we spent time together in the same bullpen. And I think a lot of it is it's not fluky because this is, he has a, he has a good chunk of service time now. Yeah. Um, We're talking what, four, four full seasons now like that. That's, these are significant things. And I think he needs to address some of these issues a lot of it is this guy is so confident, sneaky, the most confident player I've ever played with close because he, he believes in himself. And that's what it takes to, to be consistently productive at this level. But some of it is a little bullheaded now and he's grown a lot. Some of it is stubbornness. I'm just going to challenge. I've got this great fastball or I, I need to throw strikes here. Um, I, but I think this is what happens now with Lugo is he can take that next step where now he has experience on top of his amazing stuff. And I think he can take that leap. I think he can level those out. Yeah, I agree. And I think Lugo is not the only guy in the bullpen and the rotation that had those insane home away splits. I think just city field is a comfortable ballpark to pitch in, especially for some of these fly ball guys. Trevor May was the same way. We're also talking about Trevor May in this episode, a 607 OPS against in home games and a 3.6 ERA, but a 776 OPS against, in away games, still a 3.58 ERA. So May got himself into hairy situations while in road games, still found a way to get out because May, as we know, has electric stuff, including that flamethrower, flas- excuse me, flamethrower flas- fastball. Yes, yeah, so flas- fastball. It's actually a new pitch that I'm devising right now. <laughs> Don't speak too much about it. Yeah, yeah. So this this home road split, I feel like, you know, we looked at Trevor May a little bit deeper and, and I think it's kind of fluky, you know, in a, in a shortened season. You know, he only... I mean, it's not short. He threw 30, 30 innings home and away, but I think that's more of a math thing. Right. Uh, Lugos is a legitimate issue. Um, it's something that needs to be addressed, and I'm sure uh, Hefner and 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 Lugo have talked about it because it stands out like a sore thumb. So Yeah, and May had a larger workload last season as well. He was in 68 games last season for the Mets, which is a huge number for a middle reliever. 3.59 ERA, 1.26 whip an absurd 11.9 K per nine kept the walks down at 3.4 also locked down four saves. So may was used in a lot of different situations last year. He's in the second year of his deal. Now he's going to hit free agency next year. This is a big year for him as well. Uh, And we talked about streakiness with Seth Lugo. It was definitely the case with Trevor may as well. It's like he was a different pitcher at times in certain months, 2.45 ERA in April, 2.38 in July, same mark in September and October, but then that jumps to 6.35 in August. And when you think of August of 2021 with the Mets, you think of that West Coast gauntlet that they had to go through 
and May was used a lot in those games. They leaned on him heavily. Well, I mean, that that's what they that's what they bought him for. That's what his contract was. That's how they needed him. That's why they they signed him up. Uh, and he did a good job. He did, like you said, he was a little streaky. I think some of it was kind of fluky, like a good pitch. I remember like an 0-2 or a 1-2 pitch that he runs up and in, and a guy just jumps on it and hits it for a home run. Like there are some things that could have been damaged pitches that guys just kind of hit for a homer or hit for a big, you know? And so I think some of that, like that 776 OPS against on the road, I feel like as, as much as Lugo's is a a legit concern, I feel like Trevor Mays is a little bit of the, you know, sometimes it just doesn't go your way. I expect Trevor May to have an even better year. I expect him to be more consistent than he was last year. Um, and to be that force that they signed him up for. I really loved that signing when they when they initially um, signed him up during the, not this past offseason, but the offseason before. And I was even more impressed having seen him pitch every day. I, I, I kind of liken him to Edwin Diaz in some spaces just because they both have that electric fastball and like they put up these huge strikeout numbers. But when guys make contact, it's usually pretty hard hit. So it's kind of a dangerous pitcher to deal with. Mm-hmm. And that's also why I really like the Adam Adovino signing, because I think of Adovino as like this workhorse that's going to come into the bullpen and eat some serious innings. And I think that Trevor May sort of waned towards the end of the season. And I think if you can space out a guy like May and a guy like Seth Lugo, who didn't have as many innings, I think they're just going to be better forward in general. Yeah. I mean, look, look, I, I view Diaz and I'll, I'll die on this hill if that need be, but I think Edward Diaz is elite. And I don't think Trevor May is quite at that caliber. His stuff is just different. Like the stuff comes out of Edwin Diaz's hands different than it does, you know, any pitcher in the bullpen, you know. That being said, Trevor May is a very, very good setup guy. I think he's one of the best in the game right now. He's going to be 32 this year. And so he's starting to, you know, I think he's got a few years of productivity um, and some great years ahead of him, maybe even his best years. But uh, he is now on his second year of this deal. And I think this is going to be the best one. And I love his fit here with the Mets and this team. And it might be a, you know, if he stays healthy, kind of sign back got candidate. I think he's, I think he fits the mold to be a New York Met very well. I'd nice to see him in the Mets uniform. Again, it all, a lot of it is based on performance and I expect him to have a great year. I think, I think he did get a little tired towards the end. Um, like everybody else did coming off the the shortened COVID season um, and just not throwing only through 20 feet in 24 games the year before, but that's 60 to 70 is around the, the innings mark that I expect him to have. So, so let's talk a little bit about what uh, people are expecting out of both May and Lugo next year. We're going to use our steamer projections from fan graphs as we always do. Uh, Mays is a similar story to last year, 63 games, five games less than uh, last year, 3.71 ERA, 1.19 whip. Again, a huge number in the K per nine at 11 and a 3.3 walk per nine. They're expecting him to mostly be uh, the same pitcher. I actually personally think that we might see him in less games just because of, you know, the Mets are bringing back their core bullpen. I just think the addition of Adam Adovino, if he stays healthy, is going to help lengthen all of these guys in actuality. Um, I, I like the amount of games, 60 to 65, somewhere, maybe even pushing to 70. Um, that'll depend. You ride the hot hand in the bullpen, and, and Showalter understands that more than you know just about anybody. Yeah, I'm excited to see Buck's bullpen management because he's been around the block, as we've said so many times, five different teams at this point. And he knows that's like one of the core essentials of a good manager, how to manage your bullpen and make sure these guys are rested up properly. 
And I think that's going to be a bigger thing with Seth Lugo as well, because uh, as you can see from his steamer, Fangraphs is predicting 70 innings for him, which is a 24 inning jump from last year. You know, we talked about that injury before, but uh, why don't you give me Seth Lugo's projections? Yeah, so Seth Lugo is projected, uh, again, just as the steamer, 70 innings, 381 ERA, 1-2-4 whip, uh, 9.6 Ks per nine and three walks per nine. So <laughs> you could get Seth Lugo anywhere from 60 innings to 110 innings. Like, yeah, some of these projections are wild because you just don't know the role that he plays because he's a little bit of a, of a, a Swiss Army knife for guys. That's going to be the biggest thing for me is how they deploy Seth Lugo. But a lot of it depends on Trevor May because Edwin Diaz is your closer. Trevor May is your setup guy, right? And then we have Ottavino, who you think is going to be an innings eater. I think so. And I think is going to be, at least all things being equal, I think he's going to be more of a righty specialist, kind of come in and, and mow some guys down. So that leaves Seth Lugo to be seventh. We have Miguel Castro mixed in there. We have our boy Drew Smith. Oh, yeah. Um, and then the back end is kind of guys battling um, the bottom half of that. And it's interesting that you bring that up, actually, because we learned recently that the rosters, at least in the first month, are going to be expand, uh, expanded from 26 guys to 28 guys. Yeah, that's a big get. Yeah, we talk about alleviating that workload for guys like Lugo and May. That's going to be a big thing in the first month, because in the first month, they might have to they might not have to pitch as much. You got guys like Sean Reed Foley, Trevor Williams, who could definitely take some innings there. And I think, you know, like I said before, these guys will be better for it if they can increase their workload towards the end of the season. Yeah, that also helps a guy like, you know, Jason Shreve, who's a non-roster invitee, make this team that, that he could prove himself that they it, it's it'd be so nice to have a lefty in the bullpen. But I think if you only had that 26 man roster that he would be pushed out because you just have too much talent already on the 40 man. So uh, that that definitely helps. And I, you're right about like that load, the load management and guys coming back. But I think most of the load management comes solely at the hands of the starting pitchers. And so you're going to need more arms. Um, so I think the numbers, the projections from Steamer, the 70 innings uh, for Lugo, the, the 63 appearances for Trevor May, I think those are right in line. And I think they're going to get them just because of situational pitching. They're not going to be asked to go five plus innings like starters are. And so I think the projections are pretty accurate. Now, I got a tough question for you here. I'm not going to ask you who you think will be better this season, because I think both these guys are good. And I think they're similar in a lot of ways in terms of their output. But I want to ask you, who do you think has the higher ceiling this year? I think statistically, like if you look at the, the baseline statistics, I think Trevor May is, is, has the upper hand to just hot pitch in those higher leverage situations. As far as more valuable, I think that could go either way because Seth Lugo can do so many different things. And again, I think it would benefit him if he slides into kind of a more consistent role um, and he's used on a more regular basis. We looked at some of his splits on too much rest, not enough rest, multiple innings. And just like anybody in the bullpen, and especially guys that's starting to get older, you know, you look at how old is Seth Lugo? Seth Lugo, let's see. Seth Lugo is going to be, he's 32 right now. Yeah, so they're both about the same age. Uh, and you benefit from the older you get just kind of having that regular routine of getting ready. I think they're, they're, they're right in line with each other as far as, or as, far as most valuable. Um, so I'm not going to pick one over the other, but we're definitely going to need both. If I had to choose one now, I would just bet on the statistics of Trevor May being that eighth inning guy. 
I should have known that asking you to pick one of your relievers is like asking you to pick one of your children. You can't do it. You're just not <laughs> capable. <laughs> yeah. If I like if you, if you make me pick a reliever, I'm going Edwin Diaz. Oh yeah, of course. All right. Should we hop to our over-unders? Yeah, let's go. I'm going to do. So steamer has Seth Lugo projected at 70 innings pitched. I'm going to leave that there and I'm going to do the over-under at 69.5 innings. I like that. That's a tough question because we talked a lot about like, can Lugo find a consistent role? Are the Mets going to meddle with him again if they need to? Um, personally, I think that Lugo will fall under that mark. I'm going to take the under there. And I think that's perfectly okay because I don't think Lugo needs to be that workhorse. That being said, you know, he's put in a, over 100 innings in a season before. That's not a foreign concept to him. But the Mets do have a loaded, consistent bullpen right now. I'm really comfortable with where the bullpen's at. I do agree that, you know, a lefty might have helped. And I think Chase and Shreve could possibly be that guy. But in terms of how many innings Lugo will go next season, I think the Mets will try and protect him a little bit and they'll keep him under that mark. Oh, my gosh. I want to – I'm thinking that I agree with you, mostly because of how deep of the bullpen is. But I think Lugo is going to be so good this year and healthy and ready to go that he will push over that line because he's thrown – you know, outside of his his years that he was a starter, uh, like the last year he started was 18. Mm. So he went – 100 plus inning actually it went 101 in a third innings um in 17 and 18 but the next year in 2019 which was his most valuable year that was his best year he pitched in 80 innings in 61 games mm. i think he's going to have that kind of um success on the field pitching so i'm going to just take the over because they're going to ride him a little bit longer um but again i think i could easily see him falling under but but just to be completely open i'm going to i'm going to side on the over there the eternal bullpen optimist. You got to love it. <laughs> I'm kind of just an optimist in general, but definitely uh, rooting for my guys in the bullpen. I'm going to do a fun one for Trevor May because we've done a lot of serious ones on our recent episodes. This one's kind of silly, but I like it. Trevor May has not hit a batter since 2019. He didn't hit one in 2020. He didn't hit one in 2021. So my question to you, my over under at 0.5 hit by pitches, will Trevor May hit a batter next season? I'm, I, I'm going to hammer this over <laughs> and that, that may be viewed as optimistic or pessimistic, depending. <laughs> I, I just feel like, you know, we talked about those, those big home runs, uh, those like O2 kind of guys getting comfortable. I think some of that has to do with him, his ability to pitch inside. He's relied on that high fastball so often, but these guys aren't afraid to stand in there. So I don't think it's a bad thing if he decides he wants to, to, throw inside and he's going to run into a couple of hips here and there. Um, I think it would be good. It's beneficial for you to own that inside part of the plate. And so I'm, I'm going to take the over just, just the fact that I want him to brush a few people back this year. I love the route you took with that answer for such like a silly question. I think that Trevor may might not even know that he hasn't hit somebody in two I years, but I, I love this deep analysis. I'm going to text him. I'm going to send him a message that he has to at least plunk one guy. Oh, so now you're cheating. You're just trying to win the over-unders now. You're I'm, manipulating, manipulate I'm manipulating uh, the, the ability to, to skew these over-unders. Look, he hit three people and he hit three in 2019. He hit one in 18. He just knows he has control. Um, so he knows how to pitch. Those are, you know, those are interesting ways. But I, I feel like he just needs to 
that's one of the things that's going to help elevate him to that next level and be more consistent. I threw 89, 88 towards the end of my career, and I had to pitch inside. I had to establish that. And so I think Trevor May throwing that hard needs to assert his dominance and he needs to own that inside part of the plate. And so as silly as it is, as a statistic, it's also very telling that guys are a little bit too comfortable in that box. I, I like what you said about pinpoint control, and that's why I am going to take the under. I think that Trevor May is just, I, I believe he can keep the streak alive, and I kind of want to see it now because of how deep we've talked about it. I didn't think that this conversation would get so philosophical, but I love it, and I am going to take the under. Two, two disagreements for us. I like it. That's good content. Well, you know, well, we got to disagree in certain aspects, so. Exactly. All right, you got anything else on our boys here? I don't, man. Uh, I'm excited to see these guys pitch. I think a, a healthy bullpen, this is going to, you know, we are recording this uh, on the 23rd Wednesday, March 23rd. So Jacob deGrom just pitched last night, looked great, um, was holding back only 97, 98. Holding back. Wow. Uh, but he was healthy <laughs> and he was happy and he was smiling on the field, which is the telltale sign that he feels pretty good. And he was he was happy with his outing. He felt healthy. Um, but they're going to lean on some of these guys early on because you're not going to push Jacob DeGrom. You're not going to push Scherzer who got, um, who got fatigued. He got dead arm at the end of last season. Uh, you're not going to make these guys throw more. And so uh, you're going to see Seth Lugo, Trevor May pitch in a lot of heavy games early on, um, which is why they expanded the rosters because the, they understand that you're, we're at injury risk here. And so um, they're going to be key points to us either – being alive in the hunt early on and or us having to dig ourselves out of a hole in the second portion of the the beginning of the season so i think that's a perfect way to wrap up our show guys thank you for tuning into our latest ppp here we'll be back again tomorrow with some more bullpen talk wonder who's next bullpen time well thanks for tuning in and let's go mets let's go mets baby